Hello and welcome again to the famous CFC podcast, where each episode offers a deep dive into the wonderful history of Chelsea Football Club. My name's Gary Barone, and I'm joined as usual by club historian and soon-to-be-announced king of the world, Rick Glanville. Hi, Rick. Hello, mate. Anyway, this year, it's the 25th anniversary of two European triumphs. The Cup Absolutely. Of triumph on 13th of May 1998, followed by the UEFA Super Cup a few months later on the 28th of August. So for our second celebration of Chelsea's glory nights in Europe, we have a very special guest who played in both of them, Michael Dubry, or, all together now, <laughs> I that, love that, that, went, that went better in rehearsal, I think. <laughs> it's, it's, I love Dubs. I met him, he was one of the first players I met when I started working for Chelsea back in um, 93, when he was coming through the academy ranks. And he's always been a great friendly person really nice bloke uh i also knew him as the he was the first professional footballer to come out of my old school enfield grammar though we were of course a few years apart um mm-hmm. but it was fantastic to catch up this week and we really thank michael for his time because he's very busy now as an inspirational speaker and you're here elements of that uh in a few moments yeah and he really was a prodigy at chelsea debuting mm. Aged 18 in May 94, and then winning three trophies by the age of 22, more than yeah. holding his own in our central defence, alongside the likes of World Cup winner Frank LeBeouf. So, grab a drink and settle back, because he offers some fantastic insights into the Hullet, the early years, as well as sharing some wonderful anecdotes from that golden era for the Blues. So, Michael Dubry, Dubes, great to see you again. Known you since the 90s, if you remember, down at the old Harlington. <laughs> yes, the old part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many people don't realise. People picture Chelsea as this glamorous, new, innovative training ground facilities. But if they saw Harlington, then they know. When people say you've got no history, go down Simpson Lane and then you can talk about history. Uh, yeah. So thanks so much for coming on the famous CFC podcast. And we want to celebrate, actually, two major European triumphs for Chelsea. That happened a whole 25 years ago. And as a young defender, uh, a prodigy, really, you played a huge part in the Blues, claiming our second and third UEFA silverware, the Cup Winners' Cup in May 98 and the Super Cup the following August. Now, Dubs, I have to say, does it feel like a quarter of a century ago? Um, only when you watch the, the, the footage of... Uh... The, the finals, you're thinking, oh my word, like it's not no HD or or 4K, <laughs> is it? It's um very, you know, it, it feels, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, I think sometimes it feels so distant because of how successful the club has been and, and mm. how much, you know, you have to really trawl your, your memories to see yeah. back then. Um, but, you know, when I have the grey hairs and, and, you know, it's all part of it. But as a, <laughs> as a person, I can think back, of the young, energetic, 21-year-old running around. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, you it's a shame you missed the 97 FA Cup final because of your Achilles injury, but you would have already been a medal winner, I would have thought. Yeah. I mean, we had, I won the... I was, I was part of the, the League Cup um, uh, triumph, so I'd already won uh, yeah. silverware. I already won a medal... Um, and it's funny that um, we talk about the success I had with Chelsea and, you know, the the League Cup. Yeah. Uh, I played that and I remember the build-up to it. 
Nike, I was sponsored by Nike at the time. They sent me these new Nike materials, but they sent me the wrong size. You know, imagine preparing for your biggest gamers that you're a player. You're at Wembley, the place you've always wanted to be and play. You're in a cup final. All you think about doing well, and then they send you these boots. They want they might want you to wear them because they've paid you and to wear them. They're you know they're a ten and a half, and I was wearing nine and a half. I'm like, oh my god, that's a huge difference. Well, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like it was really um, wrong. Um, and like I think I'm, I, I, did I wear them? I think I might have wore them. And I think no, no, I think it was half a size. I think I might have wore a ah. pair of socks underneath to make it feel the pack. Yeah, yeah. Pack. But then all of that, um, I mean, in the cup final, I had, um, I remember I had stomach ache, um, like, like really bad stomach. So all these things like were, were going on and I'm supposed to concentrate, you know, play in the, remember the cup finals, the build, the big build up because Gaza had gone to Barras. There's this big thing about Gaza overshadowing the whole cup final. Yeah, because Middlesbrough are the opponents, of course. Yeah, yeah Middlesbrough, yeah. yeah, and it's Gaza, Gaza this. To be fair, I think Gaza playing helped us. Um, I think that he, the way he played, it took away from the way they got to the final and how exactly. they played. Is more Gaza, 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 um, and I think if they've done usual, I think Paul Merson was there, and I think he was a, a a big part of how they were playing. I think if they'd done that, it would have been a a bit more of a difficult final. But it was it was all through Gaza and Gaza and Gaza, and and, and I think that uh, <laughs> that's how it it all it all changed. A, a good friend of mine, Craig Hignett, was the mm. one that was the one that was dropped. For Gaza, yeah. you know, he yeah. played a pivotal role in them getting to the final. So um, the whole Gaza build-up um, kind of helped us. Exactly. Craig Hignett sort of bustling, attacking midfielder, wasn't he? Quite direct. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, as you're pointing out, this is a hugely successful period for Chelsea, pre-Roman Abramovich, for all those people that don't know. Yeah. But let's start with this, because we're focusing on Europe, and let's start with your European debut. As you say, age 21 in September 97. And you were playing alongside Frank LeBeouf, who was soon to be a World Cup winner, in the first round of the Cup Winners' Cup at home to Slovan Bratislava. You played in finals, but this is midweek, floodlights, the anthem, overseas opponents. Was there a different vibe to Stamford Bridge on those European nights? Uh, Yeah. I mean, anyone that's been to Stamford Bridge on a European night knows it's special, the atmosphere. You play a night game, it's different anyway. You know, I think I made my debut for Chelsea in an evening game, um, 94 Coventry. Um, and an evening game at Stamford Bridge is special. You go out there and it's European football and it's it's like you're international football. Um, so you go that, you, you know, and always my, my, men, my mentality uh, then was there's all these big players and I I just didn't want to be the weak link um, in, in the team. Things mm. were building, you can sense things were building. There's all this thing going. On. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be the one that let you know let everyone down. And I wanted a I wanted all my peers, the, the big international players, to look at me like he's good, he's good, he's good. <laughs> yeah. So it was always that sort of thing of of trying to um, feel relevant, feel have a place um wouldn't say as far as imposter syndrome where you're like I didn't feel no because I always knew um even at a young age I always say tell the story on speaking saying I felt in that team I was the best out and out defender that's what I brought to the team that's what I'm going to do mm-hmm. I'm the best defender and you know what you know talk about Frank LaBeouf I didn't have Frank LaBeouf 
ping it to someone's crest, the Chelsea badge from 60 yards, control, cultured, relaxed, play, pass. That wasn't me. But what I did bring to the team was I'll bring you a bit of steel. I'd mm-hmm. rough up their, 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 their centre forward. I'd got the pace, any ball in behind, you'll see me coming along and sweeping. So I knew my role in that team, but also wanted him to believe, know that hey, he's good, we need him. That was my mentality. So the European night, um, and there's a little bit of a talk about, you know, you're playing against European players. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get too tight. It's not the Premier League. Don't just, you have to be a little different. But my Foreign referees as well. Yeah, so my technique as a defender, even though I was, I was never like your over-the-top rough, I, I defended my position and I knew how to defend. And it wasn't just, I was just going and steamrolling people. It was about technique. And as a defender, I knew how to defend. So it wasn't a problem. It just be more mindful. Of when you're coming in, they might fall on the floor. So it's all all of them giving them their, their talk from being international players about European football, what it's about. But walking out Stamford Bridge and the European night was... Um, was was special. We had some epic encounters in that camp, including, if you remember, Tromso in the blizzard. <laughs> well, I remember yeah. Ed De Hoy knocking a post and snow falling on his head. That was a uh, quite something. I mean, I, I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't travel that game. I think no. that was a. Uh, I might have been injured, but the snow thing. You know, I'm sitting there thinking. I don't like the cold, so you know, I'm not someone that goes skiing. I'm not someone that likes the cold, likes the snow. So it was like. It looked fun, but I'm glad I was, you know, in the sofa, in the warm, and just watching TV highlights. So, but, you know, for for, for memories, you know, it's, it's one of them things that how often do you get to to play top-level football in the snow, in them conditions? You know, nowadays it's cooled off, it's stopped, it's that, but it was just like, it's an occasion, isn't it? And it, and it just makes for it. Did you ask any of your teammates what the, what it was like? I mean, you must have been when they came back. You must be saying, "My God, how did you get?" Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be going to too much. I mean, to be fair, they were just like, like I think a lot of them were just the, the, the traveling, the the the, the conditions. Yeah. Everyone was just like, you know, moan as as, as most players yeah. do. You moan about anything. You know, it's too hot, too cold. Um, I had to travel. <laughs> I mean, I think you know we're just born to to moan at times. Yeah, and of course. Um, we uh, we progressed in that by beating them seven one. I remember us singing "You Only Sing When You're Fishing" to the travelling fans, and um, and then I mean another one that I I was there for was the away win at uh, Real Betis, when I think probably for the first time maybe we looked serious contenders for the title. Yeah, I remember uh, I remember that that game was out there, lovely stadium mm-hmm. atmosphere. Um, I think at half time I was getting into a little bit of a, an argument with Graham Lasso about something. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Um, remember, I'm young. I'm holding my own. Um, he might have said something, and I always had a thing about you know how you say things to me. That's why I got into so many arguments with uh, Wisey. Um, <laughs> you know, it's animated, isn't it? Like you know, yeah. why is he, you know his face is screwed up ten years, and I'm like, what are you talking to? So like going, and it might have been the same with Graham Lasso, but it's just one of them things that just kept me concentrated. We had the same goal, the same mission, um, you know, and, and we, we got saying out there. I, mean, I always remember when we got Real Betis, it was, I just kept thinking about, um, I think at the time, they just, they just didn't, they just break the world record for signing someone. I can't remember the Brazilian. Oh, they could have done. Uh, it ended up being a flop. I can't remember his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the winger or someone like that, they just broke the world record for signing a, a, a winger um, that didn't end up doing too well. And then they had, 
is it Fanidi George on the net playing as one of the tricky wingers of plan? But I think, you know, we've always done well. All these things just made me, you know, concentrate even more because, you know, if you think I'm playing in a, a team full of internationals. They did have Fanidi George, you're right. Yarny yeah. was, Robert Yarny was playing for them. Yeah. Uh, they had um, uh, Fernando, Juan Marino, Alexis yeah. Trujillo, I think. But they had lots of pace and stuff, didn't they? That's the thing, I suppose. That was the worry, really, I suppose. Yeah, they were, they were like, a big threat. And for me, it's like, OK, like, what do I offer the team? I know I can help, like, you know, any Panini George pace I can cover, I can do this. And in a team full of seasoned pros, it was just to make sure that my levels were up to theirs. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't an excuse that they had to think, oh, we've got this kid, like, yeah. coming through. Target you, yeah. Yeah, and to be fair, the, the the good thing being homegrown, um, fans are always patient. Um, because remember, my my learning curve come from sometimes mistakes in games. That's mm-hmm. how I had to learn. Um, not saying it was often, but there were mistakes in game. But the 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 fans are always patient. Being a homegrown, they they saw that the effort I put in. They were never like oh, boo. I mean, I mean, um. I used to laugh because they never had a song. It's like doobs. And he's like, oh my God, they're booing you. He goes, no, it's this yeah. dude. Listen carefully. They're doobs. Yeah. Doobs. Um, do you know what I mean? But um, it'd have been nice if there was some sort of song. Um, but that was that was a chance. It was always a little thing. So it was always patient. So I knew I had that as long as I gave 100% effort. So when you get into these big European games, traveling fans are always great. Do you know what I mean? They always, you know, wherever it is that they make noise and you can see them, yeah. they're there. Um, so the, this just the whole occasion again, a European night was was massive. I think you're doing, you know, uh, you're underselling yourself because I think what as fans, you're right. We did, we love to see a homegrown succeed, but they had to have qualities as well, and you did because you not only did you, I think you had the anticipation that Frank Leberth had in order, you know, like nicking the ball off a player's toe before they could receive it. We loved you when you had your charging runs forward. Uh, yeah, when you yeah. went st- storming forward, and also you were a threat at set plays. That's the other, you know. So there was, yeah. you you were like a Swiss Army knife in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean the the the, the charging ones. I mean, Glenn Hoddle coming along, doing the three at the back. I can go along. Dan Petrescu on it, like seeing Dan mm-hmm. down that side. And I can keep going. Um, raw energy, um, whether it be naive, it's just like I played that way. The youth team. I was just doing the same thing. And I thought, oh, I don't care that it's Spurs. I can just go there. Oh my God, I've got I've got this far. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I can pop it. So it's just like, you know, you're just doing things and um, like all young players do. And then obviously the change of system become a little bit more restricted, disciplined. Well, we changed managers, of course, dudes. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, even yeah. just before that, like a few weeks before the Batiste game, yeah. you know, we'd uh, changed from Reed Hullet, who I know you think, you know, you know, you always say brought a lot to Chelsea in status and organisation and things, we changed to another player manager, Luca Vialli. What was different about the approach after that? So when you went from um, Rude to Luca, I mean, Rude was, uh, his personality is very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their energy brought a little bit different. Obviously, you know, everyone loved Luca um, as a player. So when he took over, it's like, oh my God, wow, Luca. Good. As rude is very, it was sometimes it was hard to love. Um, as a player, I was like with my teammate. Um, you know, he was like, um, two years ago, I'm watching him in the European finals. Now he's my teammate. 
Mm-hmm. I'm calling him Ruben, having a joke, and you know, <laughs> then he's my manager, and um, <laughs> and he was very hard. He was very hard on me, um, and it was very hard for me because as a player, like he would like you know, he can be like your senior pros. I had them. I had Dave Rocastle, God rest his soul, and I had Mark Steen. There was always helping me and guide me as the the big brother uncle type with the like, come on, you're better than that. Don't do that. So I I, I was used to that and I, I didn't mind it. So Rude was like on that, but he was very hard. And I took his like, all right, Rude. All right, but you can say, all right, Rude. Very brisk, wasn't he, Rude? I mean, he would just, yeah. it, like yeah. Dutch thing of, I don't yeah. care what your feelings are, I'll just say it. Yeah. Hey, lovely boy. Hey, no, it's not good enough, lovely boy. Um, <laughs> so, then, uh, so then as, when he was manager, it was hard, like, for me, like, he's very critical. No, that is not, no, you cannot play that lovely boy. No, mm. no, no. It wasn't mm. even a conversation now. Mm. Um, and then, and then, so when he was manager as well, he, in his head, he thought, I will drop and I'll play with Frank LaBeouf. So now I'm saying, well, I give the team, I know what I give the team. You can't give the team that. Now you're going to have the same as Frank LaBeouf. So Frank LaBeouf sometimes needs someone to have the cover. And part of how he played knew that he had the cover yeah. around him. Yeah. Um, so I think it was Ipswich. We played Ipswich in, a, I think it might have been a, a cup game uh, in the week or something. And they played together and it, and it, it didn't work. And I was like, I'm not saying I told you so. I wasn't always <laughs> going to play so because I wasn't playing. So it was it was it was difficult with Rude and and uh, and he had his success. The FA Cup was success and the manager was successful. But all of a sudden now, um, the best way I describe Rude's management is like at AC Milan, when you drop someone when he was playing, he didn't argue because of quality that was brought in. It didn't matter. Don't argue. You just you see him. That's it. Man's have explained. But culturally in England. You don't play. You want to know, okay, mm. what what going to play because I want to improve. I want to get back in the team. So tell me, not as just like oh, that's culturally what you grew up with. Like as a young player, you're told like find out so you can improve. He didn't feel he needed to explain himself, and mm. that was hard. Like, I mean, mm. <laughs> always tells us so in Harlington, like in the in the stranger rooms, which wasn't much. It was just a <laughs> like wooden pegs yeah. everywhere. Yeah, and watching the watching the the the, the training. Um, I said, Rude, can I have a word? One minute, lovely boy. <laughs> you know, in one one minute, two minutes seemed like life. I'm, I'm being patient, thinking, okay. I'm still a young lad. I'm 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 only just in the team. I didn't want to be Billy Big Time. I've not done anything. It's still Rude Hilly. And now as a manager, um waited since ages I went rude. And remember, he's facing training, I'm behind him, so he's behind me now. Yes. Yeah. Lovely boy. So, like, you know, again, I'm in my some life. But I can't be rude. This is my manager. This is rude. This is in turn. What is it, lovely boy? <laughs> I just want to know. I want to know why um, I was dropped. Why you were dropped? Hmm. Why you were dropped? Hmm. And he's and he's as he's saying, walking next to me. Why you dropped? Because I wanted to try something, lovely boy. Okay. And he walked off. And that's it. And I'm like, oh. And I think it was either Rixie or, or Gwyn was outside. I was raging. I'm like, and they go, Rixie, stay calm, stay calm. Just do what you got to do and play, okay? I'm like, but he's talking like that. Like, oh, oh, oh. Mm. And then that, so, uh, so it, was, it was hard. And and I never got the bond as as I had as a player with him as manager. And I felt that he was always feeling mm. that I wasn't good enough. And he, he said he said this to me, um, the, the year... Before he took over, when Glenn Hoddle left 
to go to England. Yeah, so the end of the season, uh, we I had um we had some football awards and I won um some awards in London. It was a big ceremony and I won uh Young Player of the Year and, I, and there was Ryan Giggs, Robbie Fowler. I think they didn't want to come to London. I won it anyway, but I won it. Understanding myself or not, I won it. And I was, I was, uh, and I always remember the the journey because those who don't know, young viewers or old viewers, I went in a limousine from North London to the wards, and I was in the limousine with Linda Lusardi, and I was like, <laughs> it was a, a glamour model, basically, wasn't she? Yeah, I was like, this is Linda Lusardi. <laughs> it's before social media. It's like Linda Lusardi page three days, and I'm like, oh, Linda Lusardi. Um, I've seen her naked. She doesn't even realise. Um, <laughs> So I, was, I remember that. So I got to the thing. It was me, Eddie Newton. I was with my partner at the time, and, and Rude was there. She was on the table. She was like celebrating. I won the award. I'm like, I've just won best young player award. Like I've just beat off Ryan Giggs and Bobby Fowler, and, yeah. and I'm buzzing like. And then Rude's going, "Hey, lovely boy, you know, you know, you you're, as a player, you're so stiff. No, oh, you're stiff like the English defenders. Too stiff. Oh, oh, oh. You need to relax. I'm like Rude. I've just won. Relax, man. Stop spoiling my vibe." No, but you know, Steve, you need to, ooh, you do. And like, he was going on. So as when he would become manager, that was just how he felt. I wasn't the culture defender that he, mm. you know, he played with Baresi, isn't he? So he wasn't mm. that sort of culture defender. The English players were too stiff. And, you know, he used to make the English players do the skill circuit before training at 9.30, mm. all Young English players were out. Yeah, he did, didn't he? He singled out the young English players for skill. Yeah, we were doing skill work. circuit. And, and, right. and, you know, always remember that after about three or four times we'd done it, um, we went out there and then uh, Gianfranco and Luca, they come on. And they come out and done it with us. They, they just they mm. just joined in and done it with us. And it made us feel like this ain't punishment anymore. And maybe mm. they could, you know, all the up, the, the, the Roberto Di Matteo, Frank Labuff, they used to laugh and giggle, bit banal. But like, you know, for those. English players in, in the, the first team playing is like, come on now. And I knew, yeah. like, you know, we could have done it a different way, but that was his way. But having Gianfranco and Luca do it with us, and come on, wait, just yeah. do it. Was it and, and did Luca carry on that kind of uh, closer, you know, that openness into his management when he took yeah, over? Yeah, well, Luca was very, like, you yeah. know, that's the difference. So when you become manager, there wasn't, there wasn't that, he was a manager and I knew the boundaries, but it wasn't that shift and change. And, you know, and, you know, it wasn't that difference. Like, and I was close with Rude as, as a player and close with Luke when he was a player. Um, but he was, he was very much different, um, open to speak, um, see how, when he was in meetings, how he used to, to, to talk and say stuff. Um, you know, back then we, you know, it wasn't the, the great video analysis we had, Someone put the big TV in with the VHS. You put the VHS in, you know, you've got all these players around the VHS playing it. Stop this bit here, rewind on the control, rewind it. So not doing it. And and even when he was, he was, he was, he was saying to senior pros, um, I think it was after the the cup final, we we watched the video, the 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 um against Middlesbrough in the League Cup. And he was saying to Graham so there, you needed to get tighter to Paul Merson there. This, he can't do that. What do you mean? And the way he explained it, it wasn't condescending. It wasn't like belittling. He just, he just, okay, now you had to say, and he explained it. And the way he explained it was like, I was like, wow, man. Like, so you knew where you stood. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, wow. Like, and, and he was so leveled at senior, young, old, he'd explain and speak and, and put it across. So, 
Um, he was very much different. There was energy about it. Everyone loved Luca. Everyone wanted to play for Luca. Whether it's a new manager shift or change, it was just like there was yeah. energy about. It. And obviously that coupled with semi-final football or whatever football we had, it was just like a big, a big, a big lift. The famous CFC will be back with more great stories from Michael Dubry after this short break. Bet you didn't see this coming. Hope you're ready to hear editor Jake's voice for a while in the ads. <laughs> this time we're coming with Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and more. Shady Rays is a world-class sunglasses company independently built that'll have you thinking you're wearing some of the world's top brands that you already know with durable frames and extremely clear optics. Not only clear optics, but clear ethics as well, having donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Something that we have done at London's Blue Podcast. So, and if you're worried you won't like your pair, they will exchange it. They'll give you a new pair or you can return them for free within 30 days. And if you're worried you might break them, Thanks to Lost and Broken Replacements, you can get a replacement pair, no questions asked, anytime. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code LONDONISBLUE, all one word, all caps, for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's right, London is blue, all caps, spelled just like the podcast, you know, the podcast you're listening to right now. You can see it in the title. All caps, one word, 50% off, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it out for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Well, let's talk about that, the semi-final, the amazing Vicenza second leg at the bridge. We needed to win by a margin of two because of the old uh, away goals rule. Yeah, and what was the dressing room like? before that i mean the fans i remember the fans were so up for it and you must have been able to hear that as you were taking to the pitch yeah. and also what was it like to be behind a player on the pitch behind a player like mark hughes when he scores an amazing volley like he did that won us the the tie the build-up was um we knew what we had to do um remember we'd with we'd, just to some context this come after our cup final win so we didn't even yeah. have a a celebration. We didn't even celebrate the cup final when it was like, hey, we've got the semi-final now. Switch on. So in the change room, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to switch on now. Okay. So it was like, put that to bed, done. We'll we're, we're celebrate that another time. We've got this European Cup semi-final. So there was momentum and there was, we've got this to do. We know what we've got to do. Blah, blah. You know, the, the away goals thing is defenders. It's kind of like a little bit more pressure when you're playing at like, like home. Like you can't see that, what, like the away goal and all that sort of stuff, whatever it is. So, mm, yeah. You have to you have to like even more concentrate. So as as a as a player, I'm like individually, like I'm like, okay, again, my mentality is I'm amongst giants. Like uh, there's expectations on myself, but I know what outside there, the Stanford Bridge, the fans, I want them to be like, yeah, I don't want to think, oh God, we can't have him in the team. I want them to think, oh my God, like we've got this player. I already feel the love already in the relationship I have with them. I don't want to let them down, big game. I want to handle the big occasions. I want to know, let them know that we've got dudes in the team. So all of that sort of stuff is my thing of fan. Come on now, know your role. Like this is some great machine, blue machine. Like your your role in it is is very important. 
So you're part of the cog, you know what I mean? It might not be the steering wheel that Gianfranco Zola is, but I tell you what, like you're you have some important part, whether you're the brakes, whether you're the windscreen, you have some important part of this machine to work. So I knew my role. So my build-up was same preparation, making sure I'm ready, going out there. You know, you do the warm up, you come out, and, you know, the, I mean, you, you like, you sense it, like, you're like, yeah. And like, so all of it, you warm up, yep, you're coming in, oiling up your legs in a tunnel. So yeah, it, it was, it was part of it. And you, you know, just in that Stanford Bridge tunnel, and then you, you know, about mm. to come out hearing the tune, hearing yeah. liquidator. And then, of yeah. course, Luiso was a good player for them. He scored. So that sort of set us, you know, at one point we looked like we were going out, but then we just, we had that spirit, didn't we? And we rallied and then that long ball out from uh, Ed DeHoy, was it, I think? Yeah, it might be. The yeah. long goal kick and it and Sparky controlled it on his chest and then volleyed it in. I mean, you're still, because it was a goal kick, you'd still yeah. be like 80 yards yeah, yeah, away. Yeah. <laughs> what did you, what was your view of that goal? I mean, just just remembering like myself there is like it happens fast, gone up, gone up, go. And like, do you know what I mean? And like, sometimes I come in for a run, sometimes I'd run up and join in, but <laughs> half the time I was like, I'm saving my energy because I've got to go there and run back. I'm like, yeah, and sometimes I would, unless I'm in a corner, I'm never celebrating. Um, but it's just like Sparky, I always had, you know, Sparky as one of the, the players in my best 11 because he was old school, he can take a batter in. You know, hold it up on his fire, get you know, it was just it was just a beast and a battering ram. Um, and when you play with him in training, he, and he's like, absolutely, oh my god, how bad is Sparky? How bad is Mark Hughes? But then in the game, he's like a different player, and he was like, yeah. wow, and in games you can be someone, hold off. And that goal was like a Mark Hughes goal, like a trademark Mark Hughes, boom, score, and part of it. And you know, I think the only other time that sort of Feeling I didn't play in that game was the the FA Cup Liverpool comeback. Oh yeah, the four two. Yeah, you know I mean everyone's full all, oh, and there's a little bit of all. Oh, you know I mean, even though like it was it was it wasn't there yet. The first goal sparked uh-huh. like so the slightly song. different level, isn't it? Yeah, so that, yeah, yeah. And of course, that meant you were in your first European final in your first campaign, and like, uh, but you you missed a few games leading up to that. So when did you know that you were going to be starting against Stuttgart in Stockholm? And the build-up um, to the, the getting to the cup final, one day I woke up and sat on my face. And then the lads go, what's on your face? It's like, oh, I went to the doctors, I had Bell's palsy. So uh, those doctors with Bell's palsy, it's when the one side of your face collapses. So my face was just Yes, like, I remember. I, yeah. So I had Bell's palsy. So... Um, went to I'm um, healthy fit, but I just I just I just yeah. I couldn't talk I like the black sloth out of the Goonies. Um, so it was just like, oh my god! So Lauren Chavez, Lauren Chavez, Chavez, was playing um, in the build up, and like so I'm like panicking, thinking I'm I'm in this I'm gonna miss the biggest game of my life, like and just because like this thing for my face, um, and then I, I was like training, I was training well, and then. Like I got the all clear and then I found out, I can't remember if I found out um, before we flew out, but I was playing. So I had to, for the cup final, I had to hold my face like this. Playing the cup final, hold my face so I can form the words. So wow. So if I move, I've got a whole word. So that's unbelievable. It's funny. So when um, 
I, I deliver talks to young people, corporate world, and when they talk about resilience uh, and the, the picture I put, I'll put a picture up of me. Um, I've got a hat on, uh, my medal on, celebrating. And, uh, 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 and then uh, I say to people, throw some words when you see this picture. And they say, winner, uh, celebrations. And I say, that says resilience to me. And they go, what? Mm. I say, I've got Bell's palsy. I've got Bell's palsy. I've played the biggest game in my life. For a young person to have and to have the level of focus, like all this pressure. And if you, you know, if you have a niggle, you know, going to work and like, you know, and you've got this big meeting, the stomach ache, whatever you got, to have to concentrate on all this sort of stuff. I said, I had to concentrate in the biggest game of my life. Again, with the mentality, like, you know, as I remember, as it goes up, I'm still carrying this. I can't let no one down. I have to make sure this is a big thing for me. Like, I'm not worried about scoring the winning goal. Not, not worried about scoring, no winning goal. I'm like, no one scores. No centre forward scoring on me today. I'm not being the weakest link. I'm making sure that everyone knows how good I am in this team. I'm making sure that the Chelsea fans realise how good I am. I'm making sure that I want the Mark Hughes and Franco Zolas to think, oh my God, wow, dude's a brilliant player. So all of that thing I'm carrying in. So there's my, there's my fuel, there's my motivation. And now I'm going, and this isn't like going to bother me. I'm like, you okay? Yeah, 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 I'm all right. I, collapse, I can't even shut it. Like Amazing. this is so for me, it's like you know, playing it and it didn't bother me. Just sometimes when I'm doing this, and I've got remember to, to, to um, hold <laughs> yeah, my but, mouth, it's not, but, but it's not what you want for your first European final. That's really, ah, it's really it's, impressive it's, that you that you ch- you took that up, you know, head first, yeah. But it's it's, it it's, it's crazy because I'm, I'm there and you know, you like you do the the the, the picture before you know, the, mm. you stand in the picture. Yeah. Yeah, you're standing there and I'm like, all these sort of things are going out and you've got the little kids you're walking with and concentrating. And I'm, all, yeah. I'm always I'm always like either fourth or third out. So it'd be YZ, Ed DeHoy, might be Frank LaBeouf, my, myself. Or I'm always at the front going out, ready, playing. And I'm like, I'm ready for this. Like, I'm excited. I'm 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 just focused. I'm always scouting where's the centre forward? Who is he? Doing my homework. He ain't going to cause me no problems. And you know, playing the the, the the game is like um, you know, it is it was uh yeah, we've got the we've got the win and I'm there celebrating. <laughs> but I have to say, has there ever been, can you ever remember a bigger impact in a major final than Franco coming off the bench to win it like like he did? Franco's this nah, it's Gianfranco. I mean, I know he was disappointed when he was um on the bench. You know, Luke used to play himself. Well, he had a hamstring pitch. injury, didn't you, if you remember? Yeah. going into it and he was a doubt it was a doubt that yeah. he played so you know none of yeah. us knew if it was going to hold up when he came on but when he come on um I think there was there's was the the there's a play before that he nearly got in yeah but it, and then he carried on running forward yeah he didn't come back to defend the ball because he lo- he tried he took someone on lost possession yeah. the ball went behind him and he just carried on running forward so why is he was able to pick him out yeah and I just the, like the the you know for as 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 time goes on and you're a defender and it's nil nil, it adds a little bit more pressure. You've got to do more. You know what I mean? So yeah, because it could switch like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're like you're playing and you're you're hoping that nothing happens your end. And um, you know, it was just you know for me that 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 impact was massive. The the cup final, I remember it for um that and how great Danny Granville played. Oh yeah, of course. In. As as a and I think he went on a run and I think he, at the end and he should have done he went on a little mazy near the end, um, maybe he should have scored or whatever. But I thought yeah. 
he played so well. I think well, he dragged like, it wide, didn't he, Danny? Yeah, but he, yeah, he, yeah. He was really good that night. Yeah, because he came in for, was it Gramson and yeah. Celestine was injured. Both the left sides were injured. He'd come in. But yeah, I just remember Jan Franco, like, you watch it now. When you watch it now, I think, oh my God, wow. Like, how how it changes the course of, like, so much. Um, but like, yeah, is is as a player, you're thinking, if it had to be someone, it'd be it'd be him. And it was such an important win for for the team. You know, that was our second trophy that season, and it qualified us for the third that we were about to win, which was the Super Cup. But I've got to ask you, Dubes, are you a Star Wars fan? No. <laughs> Because you know when you were lining up before kickoff in the Super Cup final, yeah, uh, and they played the on the commentary. John Watson says the UEFA anthem, or at least part of it. It's not the UEFA anthem at all. It's from the closing scene of the original Star Wars film. One hundred and forty-five countries will watch these pictures. Twenty-two taking the match live, but not a big crowd in the Star Louis the Second. The stadium only holds about 15,000, and I would say there are about 5,000 supporters here tonight, roughly split 2,500 between Chelsea and Real Madrid. The gate money certainly won't break the bank at Monte Carlo. The UEFA anthem, or a part of it, is uh, the formal pre-match music. Now, God yeah. knows why they were playing that. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> now you're now you're like you're, you're, you know you've you're, been in the zone. You wouldn't have even noticed, would you? No, no. I'm just sitting there, like I'm not standing there. Like you, you tend to think of European game, Champions League music. I don't even know what UEFA music is, but <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't even have paid it any attention. To be fair, it could have been some Led Zeppelin playing like that. I wouldn't even know. Did it feel like obviously you, you actually pushed Marcel into midfield and you partnered uh, Frank Leboeuf? Uh, yeah, I mean, I even even that there's a so I'm you know we won the and funny story so we when we won the Cup Winners Cup we didn't get to celebrate and, and one thing I'd say to like is I've won three trophies um, with Chelsea and I've never had an open top bus never been on the bus round like Chelsea I've never had an open top bus we won the um, League Cup. We had to put that to bed and concentrate on the Cupman's Cup. We won the Cupman's Cup and the club had organised a trip to Martinique. So we didn't have the open top bus. We had to go uh, to Martinique within, I don't know, a couple of weeks. We didn't, we didn't have yeah. an open top bus. It was like to, to Martinique, uh, which is at some small Caribbean yeah. island where we played some games. Um, so I never had an open top bus. So remember we were watching the, the Champions League Cup final in Martinique and Luca watching it and Luca's there. And obviously it was Juventus versus Real Madrid. Mm. And obviously Lucas thinking, I hope Juventus win, because now he's got his dream Super Cup tie against his old team. And obviously Real Madrid win is a bit gutted. We're like, we're playing Real Madrid. I'm like, we're playing Real Madrid. I'm like, I'll well, play Real Madrid. More iconic for me. Um, so then summertime comes uh, and we sign Marcel uh, and like, like for Chelsea. I'm like, brilliant. Marcel will just play centre-back for France. His partner in the World Cup is Frank Leboeuf. I'm like, someone just give me the nails to my coffin now. <laughs> um, so we go to the season, Marcel's there, um, and, we, you know, play a few games, we've got the Super Cup. So we train at Monaco, 
uh, the night before. We're training this place. I have to go down some steps and train and train. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to be on the bench. I've been on the bench like a few games, for only game of seasons, Marcel and Frank, that was the way it's going. So do training and Luca says, Dubs, wait there, I need to speak to half training. I'm like, oh, it comes on. Okay. So the, and he's like, look at me like, Hey, what's 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 with a long face? Like joking. I'm like, oh yeah, guys. Hey, yeah, for what you've done and helping get us here, you're starting tomorrow. I'm gonna put Marcel in midfield and you're gonna start. Okay. You go and do what you, you do, all right? Like cheers. I'm like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, uh, and I always people don't understand, like it um that little moment of of that touch there, like meant so much, like to me, like, as for him to say, big game member, Michael Dubry, Chelsea, like, for the history of Chelsea, it's like, he's like putting that here, go. And for him to recognize, remember, I've always wanted this recognition from my peers and my pros. And he's now saying, you, you go and play. I don't care about Madrid, big cut for us, but I believe whatever it is, Amazing. I believe that you're our best option. And I remember telling Lucas, I see him many years, I see him once, time, I saw him in a restaurant and I said, Luca, give a big hug. And I go, oh, you know what? Thank you for what you've done there. He's like, well, dude, get off. Stop being silly. Like, do you know what I mean? And, and you know, years, I always give him a big hug. And um, as, as a man, like, that's why the other day really broke my heart. The person, those, those were his qualities um, going into it. So I, I found out the night before that I was playing, a uh, bit of a surprise because the build-up before league games, Premier League games, I was on the bench and Marcel and Frank were playing together but Marty told me I was playing so again you know part of and we won. Is like, that's the most yeah, important not, thing is we yeah. won we won played the game um you know Boye, right, Boye scored the winner yeah Gus Gus come off the bench and I mean when he when he come off the bench he changed the game like s- such energy um and you know like some of the players I've, I've played with um and in in, in the the build-up to Chelsea's transformation of this multicultural superstars of foreign players, Gus Poye is, 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 is there because when he come over, there was no them and us. He was, he was as much as your English mentality. He was chatty. He was joking. He was full of jokes. He was full of pranks. He was, he wouldn't stop talking. And he was this player. He was, he was a baller, and he, he had really you know, underestimated, he, I think. Yeah, and like he, yeah. He, could, he could, he could, he was nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're sitting in the change room, it tell you some top Maradona stories because he was good friends with Maradona. So you're sitting there like, oh my god, this guy was like drinking with Maradona. Tell me more. The famous CFC will be back with more great stories from Michael Dubry after this short break. Do you think Gustavo Poya is one of the sort of unsung heroes of that Chelsea revolution in the late 90s? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because everyone, everyone can, you can tuck out the names of Viali, Pullet. Do you know what I mean? Those names, Zola, you can, you can, you, but Gus Poya, like for what he'd done, how he played and Premier League and what he'd done, he, like, he, was, a, he was a proper player. Like he was a very underrated um his his body of work was was great, um, and and Rude was more of of a name. He like you know he played a, a bit. Gus had uh, some longevity and what he'd done and, and done it consistently caused the best teams problems. Um, you know he could 
run off the back of people. He can play. He was technical. He he knew football. Lampard-esque in a way, I think. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I, uh, I think uh, goal scoring ability from midfield. I mean, amazing in the air as well. Yeah, like he, he, he and, he, and he was he could mix it. He, he was he was nasty when he wanted to be. He could hold his own. Um, he didn't get bullied. Like you know, he was he was very clever. Um, very undervalued. Like and 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 for me. The, the thing that makes him and, and I, like, I love him so much is is as a person like how how um great he was and it's not always you don't always get that like you don't always get that and right. and there's you know there's players with big talent and big egos and the top players uh, uh have this humility about them that make everything about them like even better and I always say you know Jean Franco small in stature but massive like mass small in, in person, but massive in stature, like how he was humble. Class is permanent, dudes. Yeah. So it's you know, and, and Gus was in there amongst it, like, but what he brought, and I always said like he was the sort of gel, like he was a gel that gelled the the English yeah. like contingents and that part of Chelsea and you know the 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 foreign. And he would say, Hey, stop being like he'd, he'd yeah. bring it all together. Um, and, and more so than than a wise he could as captain. Gus was that sort of more of a bridge, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, well, it wasn't too separated and surrogated. He was. It was. It was Gus. Now, I have to ask you: Did you manage to grab Raúl's shirt as a memento after the after we beat them in the Super Cup? No. So, remember, we're, we're after the game, before the game, you see them all knowing each other, double kissing each other, <laughs> like, like you know, there's me, like, oh, good luck, good luck, good luck, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good luck, like international comrades and all that. Um, so after the game, again celebrating, they see them all go, yeah, swapping shirts. So I didn't have anyone's shirt. So after the game, me and Jody, Jody Morris, we um outside the Real Madrid change room, knock on the door. Can you, you swap the shirts? We've handing our, our shirts to the, the dress room. We're waiting again. Oh, hope I get uh Herrera, hope I get um Royal, hope I get Morientes. Oh, Roberto Carlos, that's brilliant. Like, we're out there just like talking a lot higher. They open the door open. They just, we, they just give us back our shirts. Like, we no. Like, yeah, yeah, we give back our shirts. Um, so we're oh, back that's in. That's outrageous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't get anyone's shirts. Um, so we just <sighs> went in and, and, like, you know, it makes for a, a good story now, doesn't it? But back then it was like, uh, but yeah. I think, uh, you know, we, we all boys said, oh, F you anyway, we just won. Oh, how's that? Woo-hoo. Exactly. Uh, so uh, we went back in there. So, yeah, didn't get, um, didn't get any any shirts. But, like, you know, for me, uh, I, 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 that was my third cup final. So I played three cup finals for Chelsea. Amazing. Never, never conceded a goal in a cup final. Of course, um, wins. Um, but the crazy thing is, is you think you've got this twenty-one-year-old, twenty-two-year-old, um, and he's broke through. He's part of this 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 transformation of Chelsea. His third cup final, just missed out a fourth one through injury. Um. And you kind of think, this is what life's going to be like. This is what life is going to be like. Like, this is cup finals, building up. And we we went out, where was it? It was the following year, I think we played a semi-final in the Cup Winners' Cup, or I think, I can't remember. And, and then I remember we seeing Mark Hughes on the pitch. He was taking pictures and, Sparky, what are you doing? Like, he had a camera. He didn't have his phone, he had a camera, like, you know, taking pictures. Um like we're doing, he said, like, you have to enjoy these moments. Don't come mm-hmm. around off. This is Mark Hughes that's played everywhere and done everything. You have to enjoy it. 
Polly on. Yeah. Talking about Sparky. Come on. We'll have a little. Hey. And so after the, the Super Cup final, um, I never played another final. And you no. chase it. You have, you have this taste of it. You have this taste of it. And I never played it. <clears throat> another Cup final. And it's like, not that I didn't appreciate it because I was ungrateful. It's just no, of course. If you're if you're if you're if you're a kid that's born into a billionaire family and you're getting chauffeur driven every day, you're you know, and then suddenly someone says mum and dad's lost all their money in the stock market, you'll go and get bus. Like, what bus? What's a bus? Is this is my personal bus? Why is there other people on this bus? <laughs> so you're like you're 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 so this was my like, and even though I've come through Chelsea and I've seen it different and it transformed, but I'm I'm part of now I'm part of this team. I've seen I've seen it different. Now I'm part of this is it. That's your level, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and that, and but then, as a club, and as we see, it's forever growing, and it's and you know, and you're ever having to, to be, boom, up the top, you know, and they're making decisions and they're doing this sort of stuff, you know, and and um, they they they, I have to move on. Who had this kid in the the youth team? I don't know. I don't know what happened to him, John Terry. What happened to him? Did he come through? <laughs> Well, of course, you had his, you had the number twenty six number before. Yeah, the twenty six shirt before. You switched yeah. to twelve, but you had twenty six. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I didn't. You know what? The 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 change to twelve wasn't me. Like I had twenty six. Like you know, I had twenty six, and then the the, the, the season, uh, Gwyn said, "I'll oh, change the numbers." Like, and I had number twelve. What twelve? For me, twelve was the original <laughs> substitute. Sub I'm like, who wants the the, the Keith Peacock number? You know what I mean, the first ever sub. It's like. I mean, I used to say that to Gavin people. Like, the Keith Peacock number, like it's the original sub. Like, yeah. what's twelve? Give me another number. Give me fifteen. Give me. Don't give me twelve. Like it's just the original yeah. sub number. Like, um, I didn't like it. I didn't like twelve. Didn't like it on my back. Um, and I, I didn't have the twenty six. And then obviously JT had the twenty six. And I'll be fair. Uh, I'm always like, um, when Kula Bali made the big thing about like, mm. John Terry never done it to me, dudes. Could I've of your 26 number yeah Caledu didn't ring you either I suppose yeah he didn't, he didn't ring me yeah yeah but yeah, yeah I had the 26 um I had some good times in 26 I think uh, I think I've got a picture of me against Eric Cantona number 26 at the semi-final uh, at Villa Park oh, yeah um, yeah yeah so you know my first original number was 28 and I, I that was 94 I think I might have made my debut uh, against Coventry, Coventry. and mm. I've, I've got um a cut, I got um the '94 Cup final. They made one up for me. It's got a '28 Dubri '28 on the back. Now wow. um, the red is it the cause with the the mm. the blue and red sort of like one shirt. Yeah, and I got '26 and I made my uh, like comebacks like playing again. Now '26 and then Gwyn gave me number twelve, which I didn't like. I didn't like number twelve. Well, whatever number you wore, Dubs, you were a fantastic player for us, and it, I'm sad that. You know, you were in England under 21, you were homegrown, you were winning stuff and you came through and then you started not to play so regularly and you felt you had to move on. And it's it was sad for a lot of us, but you were a brilliant player for Chelsea Football Club. So oh, thank, thank you very you. much. No problem. Thank you very much. It's an honour to be part of uh, the club, um, to play part in its history. Um, yeah, like for me, I could have stayed there for ages, but I just wanted to play. You gotta play. That's your. That's yeah, what you do. Play, and that is that's what it was. Um, but yeah, forever club, forever in my heart. Um, as you see in the, behind me, you see the two trophies. Yes. Um, uh, I, oh. couldn't, I couldn't find league. And Real one. again. Obviously, we're playing Real in the Champions League. Yes, again. Yeah. So my son made. He said, "Oh, before 
I think that Super Cup game, we haven't played Real Madrid until ages. Now we're playing yeah. them like virtually every season. It's like, it's the London turnaround buses. now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's an honour to play for a club, holds a big place in my heart, come through as a kid, saw the transformation. And what I see now, um, you know, as a club, just hopefully, you know, gets back to the culture and where it, it, it you know, it's built itself up to um, and not just being a, a club, just hanging around and just making up the numbers. Fantastic. Thanks no so much, Dubes. Absolutely no loved it. Rick, I really enjoyed that. I thought the guy came over. You always said he was a great bloke. I've never met him, but I thought he came over as so knowledgeable and what really um, comes through for me is when he was a young professional footballer, mm-hmm. he was fully aware that the fact that fans were giving him uh, patience, unlike they would give to a foreign purchase. Yeah. But he didn't want to rely on that. He wanted to prove himself as being worthy of being in the side. And it's really interesting because you don't always know what what goes through to the players, you know, how much they understand about their relationship with the crowd. And and I thought that was really interesting. I thought some some of his stories about the dressing room is <laughs> is impersonation of Rude Hullet. Um lovely boy. <laughs> I really, I really like the guy. I thought it was terrific. And he's on uh, Twitter. His handle is at original underscore dubes, D-U-B-E-S. And if you need a motivational speaker, he's definitely your man. Now the thing about dubes, of course, is that I always thought he was a really articulate person. Uh, when I first met him. And I think now, with the benefit also of hindsight, how he's able to approach uh, the past and address it and rationalise how things were, I think he's quite unusual. He's really smart at working out what it was that made things tick for him Mm. and uh, what the important elements of the game were. For me, I love the fact that he always wanted to prove that he was justified to be yeah. in the team, that he didn't want to be the weakness, that he didn't want to be the target, and that he wanted to show that he was able to play alongside Marcel Desai or uh, Frank Leberth or you know Petrescu and all these other, Di Matteo, Zola, all these fantastic players. And he had the humility to realise that he had to, if you notice, he said it every time, every time there was a, a big game. Yeah, that was he was, uh, you know, he was still feeling that same uh, requirement to not assume anything, not take anything for granted, but to give his best and to uh, to not be the problem in the team. But also, though, Rick, can you imagine what was going through his mind as a young professional who's established himself into a team that's going places? And then before the biggest game of his career, he gets Bell's palsy and he has to work out a way around that and how he can actually get himself sorted out and hope he gets back in the team. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, and obviously this is a, an audio channel, so you couldn't see that when he was talking to me, he was holding the side of his face uh, and pointing to his eye because the Bell's palsy is no laughing matter at all. It's no joke. Um, we we both know people that have, that have had it. And it... The symptoms are similar to a stroke in that it paralyzes one side of the uh, muscles of the face so that the side of the mouth hangs down and the side of one eye droops down. So it's it's an awkward thing to have to deal with because 
your eye can't shut, your mouth can't shut, you have to close it. So that's what he was saying about how when he was calling out during the game, I mean, you know, this is like a, a European Cup final and he's having to hold his mouth shut so that people could understand what he was, that, so, you, so that it wasn't, didn't come out slurred. So, um, and I, I think, you know, and also Bell's palsy, the treatment is steroids. So it's not, it's not a simple thing and no one knows what causes it. So, um, you know, there's a uh, difficult, even more respect for him for dealing with that so superbly on the night. Well, um, I mean, dealing with it in the run-up to to the match, and then yeah. we didn't concede a goal, as he mentioned, his three finals, he didn't yeah. concede a goal, which is <laughs> some, 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 something to be able to boast about, isn't it, for a defender? <laughs> it certainly um, is. But, but to, to then actually work out how he can best communicate with the other players, thinking about this additional problem, exactly. aside from the fact he's trying to have, have to do his job that he's paid to do. I mean, it's hard enough, hard enough marking the likes of Raul, isn't it? You know, yeah, exactly. When, uh, you know, when you haven't got the distract, a health distraction uh, going on, you know. But uh, well, you know, that's it was uh, great stuff. Great was, stuff. Yeah. Now, Rick, before we go, let's just mention the remarkable noise you can hear in each of those clips. <laughs> there oh. really is something extra special about a European night under the floodlights. Just about everyone seems to give that little bit more of themselves, the players and the fans. And well, Doobes mentioned that, didn't he? That there's something about the the roar as you're in a tunnel. It's under floodlights. It's always, well, generally, it's uh, night times, and so there's a bit of pageantry about it. Um, let's hope we hear a few more of those roars before the season's over. And of course, especially against Real Madrid. And as Doobes mentioned, the Super Cup was only the second time we'd met that Real uh, competitively in. Well, third, second tie that we'd we'd met third time, but second tie we'd met competitively in ninety years, um, and the Champions League quarter final we're going through at the moment means means we'll have played them each in each of the past three seasons. So, like London buses, you wait ages for one, and then three come along at once. Yeah, and let's not forget we have played them seven times now, and we've only lost once. More of that, please, Chelsea. More of that, please. <laughs> You've been listening to the famous CFC podcast with me, Gary Barone, and him, Rick Lanville, with very special thanks to our wonderful guest, Michael Dubry. If you like the show, please subscribe and spread the word. We'll be back again with Series 4 soon. And in the meantime, come on, you mighty, mighty blues. blues. Come on! Mighty Blues!